On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, winners and losers from the 2022 Orange and White game. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host, coming to you today from my YouTube watchers from Chicago. I'm on the 20th floor of the Marriott Marquis in Chicago, so I tried to get y'all a view of the skyline, the Sears Tower, all of that in the background. I don't know how well I did, but coming to you from my favorite city, Chicago, and it looks amazing on this beautiful Monday. Also, thank you all that helped me reach 1,000 subscribers once again on YouTube. We're at 1,100 to be exact now. But because we're at a thousand subscribers, you will start seeing ads on these videos on YouTube. So I just want to prep you for that. One last thing. John Garcia, the director of football recruiting from Sports Illustrated, came on last week, talked about some incoming transfers, potential transfers the Longhorns are looking at. And also some of the key recruits in the 2023 class the Longhorns are looking at. He did an amazing job. So I'm bringing him back on for my next episode to talk about the two commitments the Longhorns got after the spring game and Trey Wisner and Ryan Niblett. So bringing John Garcia back on for my next episode to answer all your questions about the two newest commits in the Texas Longhorns recruiting class. So good stuff coming up on the next episode of Locked On Longhorns. But on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, we're talking winners and losers from the 2022 orange and white game and i'm getting right into it the first winner from the orange and white game was the best player on the field on saturday roshan johnson two touchdowns one from one yard out and another explosive run where we had 56 yards took it to the end zone powered through multiple defenders and at the end showed that breakaway speed which is going to be key for this longhorns football team this season in moments where he has to spell the best running back in the country Bijan. Robinson, but I thought he just looked really explosive. Once again, we know he has one of the best stiff arms in the country. He showed power getting through the line, uh, showed speed, shiftiness, uh, looked like a complete running back. He's easily one of the best running back twos in the country and probably one of the best running backs in the country, period, and would start for most teams that didn't have B. John Robinson on them. So um, in a day where B. John Robinson didn't get any work, he's nursing an ankle, is not serious. Um, but, you know, Sark knows that his bread is in butter. His bread is buttered. And his bread and butter is, is B. John Robinson. And so they gave him the day off, and that allowed Roshan Johnson uh, to get the work with the ones, and he did not disappoint. Once again, two touchdowns, uh, the 56-yard run where he powered through multiple defenders. You could say it was bad tackling. Uh, the second you know, team defense didn't do what needed to be done on that run. Um, but we would hope the first team defense would be able to stop that run for a short game. But nonetheless, um, sometimes it's just a great play. Uh, by the offensive player and Roshan Johnson continued to show that we've heard all spring um, that he's made great plays in the running game, but also they've utilized him a lot in the screen and passing game. He's made some huge plays there and he came out um, and, and seized the moment in the orange and white game and had that big touchdown and also had another uh, one yard touchdown run. It was a little controversial. People feel like Keelan Robinson got in, but they said he was down at the one. And, and so Roshan did what needed to be done and carried that in the best player on the field in the orange and white game and a huge winner from Saturday's game. I think that you have to split the carries. Now, listen, we know B. John Robinson, his mind's on the NFL. This is last year at Texas. He's 12 to 15 games away from the NFL. Of course, he loves the Longhorns. Of course, he's going to play hard. He's going to have the best season possible. 
but we know that his eye is on playing on Sundays. And so I think that the split at carries needs to be 80-20 or at least 75-25 between Bijan and Roshan. Now, you know that Keelan Robinson is going to come in and get some touches. Jonathan Brooks is going to come in and get some touches. Jaden Blue is going to come in and get some touches. But the bulk of the carry is going to be between, going to be between them two. And I think I would like to see it at least at 80-20, 75-25. That still gives B. John Robinson plenty of opportunities to take over the game. But also, you bring in B. Uh, Roshan Johnson, who's one of the best running backs in the country, and allow him to get enough snaps and touches to meaningfully impact the game as well. Roshan Johnson was the best player on the field on Saturday, and he is my first winner. So this has been the talk of everything is the offensive line. My loser is the second team offensive line. So four touchdowns were scored in the orange and white game on Saturday. Two touchdown passes by Quinn Ewers, one to Isaiah Nair, one to Xavier Worthy in the red zone portion, and then two rushing touchdowns by Roshan Johnson, who once again was the best player on the field on Saturday. Only Out of those four offensive touchdowns, only one of those touchdowns came behind the second team offensive line. It was the deep throw, the highlight of the day, by Quinn Ewers on the play-action pass to Isaiah Nair. But get this, I went back and watched the play a 100 times. That was a max protection play with two routes down the field. Isaiah Nair ran kind of the deep post um, off the play action. And then I can't tell who the receiver was on the other side, closer to the, the sideline. But they ran kind of a down and in uh, down the field to kind of, you know, freeze the safety and, uh, you know, take him out of the play. And that's how Isaiah Nair was able to get open down the field. Keelan Robinson came out in the flat, but he chipped before he came out in the flat. There were five offensive linemen and then two tight ends that stayed in to block. So on the one touchdown that the team was able to score with the second team offensive line in, they had seven blockers, seven and a half if you count Keelan Robinson's chip before he goes out into the flat. So it was a max protection. They had eight blockers at one time, counting Keelan Robinson's chip on the defensive end before he went out into the flat. Outside of that, they were bullied by the first team defensive line. And I'm not super concerned. I said in my last video that the offensive line played well because they did score three touchdowns behind the first team offensive line. I'm not super concerned about how the second team offensive line played in the orange and white game. And I'm not sure why so many people are concerned about how the second team offensive line played behind uh, in the orange and white game, considering people know that we were missing six offensive linemen really seven because Andre Carriage was hurt, um, knowing that this is a unit that has a lot of work to do, knowing that the position battles on the offensive line really haven't even started yet because six of your most talented offensive linemen come over the summer. So it's not a huge concern to me that Logan Parra and the second team offensive line was out there getting whooped because I don't see really any path to playing time for anybody that was on that second team offensive line when the season actually starts. And like I said, with the injury to Andre Carriage and the six offensive linemen that are not on campus yet, you can't even put together much of a competent second team offensive line to begin with. But once again, out of the play where they just super max protected <laughs> and basically had a check down and two deep routes, everybody else was blocking. That's the only time the second team offensive line was able to score outside of that. Uh, they were just consistently got whooped by the first team defensive line. And, you know, that's good to hear. You know, of course, they're going against, you know, backups and backups to the backups. You know, the first team defensive line. But at the end of the day, you got to go out there and perform against who's in front of you. And they did that. And every offensive line in the Big 12 is not 
going to be like Baylor's or, you know, it's not going to be like Georgia's or Alabama's. And so um, saw some really good things from the first team defensive line. But that second team offensive line, they got bullied for the majority of the day. Um, you saw them allow consistent pressure on Quinn Ewers, consistent pressure on Hudson Card. So they're my losers. But once again, I don't think it's a huge deal that the second team offensive line got whooped in the orange and white game because one, it shows that the first team defensive line did play really well, albeit against a lower level of competition. And two, once again, there's just no path to playing time for anybody that was participating on that second team O-line in the orange and white game. Andre Carrick's injury um, made it even harder for the second team O-line, plus Cole Hudson getting promoted to the first team offensive line. Uh, made that unit even weaker. And then we know that that second team offensive line, at least I think that the first team offensive line still needs uh, probably at least two starters from the 2022 class. But then the rest of those six immediately fill into that second team offensive line. So I think they're going to be a lot better. Um, once again, the people that were out there playing for the second team offensive line were backups to the backup. So no reason to be concerned about this offensive line based on what you saw from the second team. The first team, they scored three touchdowns with that offensive line. Could they have been better? Yes. Are they going to struggle at times this season? Yes. Are we putting too much expectation and hope in true freshmen? Yes. But you saw a lot of the RPOs, bootlegs, and play action passes that gave that offensive uh, line more time to protect. And I think Sark is going to really get in his bag this year play calling wise and make sure that he's not putting that offensive line the first team in positions to not be successful and hinder this offense, hinder the quarterbacks from getting the ball to those explosive playmakers on the outside. If you want better gut health, try Athletic Greens. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today has to be both quarterbacks. I look now, I think that, you know, Obviously, both quarterbacks could have played better. There was times where Quinn Ewers was missing uh, his wide receivers, uh, you know, whether he was long with the throw or high with the throws at times. Um, you know, he could have been better. Definitely showed that he still has a lot of work to do um, as far as his quest to being the starting quarterback, which I think he'll eventually take over by the time uh, we play against Louisiana Monroe. And I thought Hudson Carr looked really efficient. He got the ball quickly out of his hands. Um, but I thought that he played really well when the first route uh, first read was easily designed for him and he knew where to go with the ball outside of that i think there was times where the pressure broke down uh, he kind of had some happy feet in the pocket the broadcast talked about him standing on his tippy toes trying to you know instead of you know being a passer and laying the ball in there trying to force the ball in there um just didn't look comfortable in the pocket and we know that that's um a cause for concern but it's also something that 
you could tell he's improved on. It's still going to show up at times, but he improved on it a lot. So I thought, you know, both quarterbacks had times where they could have been better. But ultimately, Hudson Card looked a lot better than he did last year. I think that everybody who is a Longhorn fan, I think most people want Quinn Ewers to start. But you have to admit objectively that Hudson Card looked a lot better in the orange and white game, albeit, you know, take what you want from it. Don't take anything from it. He looked a lot better, was getting the ball out quicker, making the right decisions, looked really efficient and understood when to take the checkdowns and then when to take plays downfield. I don't think that he had the deep accuracy that we would like to see yet. And then once again, you know, he was a little fidgety in the pocket. But as far as being able to move the ball down the field consistently, getting the ball into the hands of the playmakers, being efficient, not taking too much time with the ball. I didn't think he held the ball as long as he did at times last year and ultimately just got the ball out of his hands and was a playmaker, was a point guard, got the ball into the hands of the playmakers, didn't go broke, taking a profit, consistently moved the ball down the field and engineered a couple of scoring drives. So I thought that Hudson Card looked a lot better than he did last year, uh, really improved really impressed me and i think he should have impressed a lot of people in longhorn nation that he took time over the offseason to get better and if he doesn't end up the starting quarterback for the texas longhorns this year he's going to have a lot of suitors and i think putting out some really good film in the origin white game helped him in that regard as well quinn ewers once again he was long and high on some throws there was some pressure in his face I thought at times he was able to evade it. Of course, it's the orange and white game. So, you know, he's not able to really dodge sacks and things uh, once they get close to you as a sack. But I liked his movement in the pocket, his calmness, his poise in the pocket. And you have to love the explosive plays, the explosive play to Isaiah Nair. Once again, they had eight blockers, uh, but he still, you know, put a beautiful deep ball on the money. That would be a touchdown to any receiver on the team. Uh, it pretty much looked like. And he put that ball right on the money. Didn't allow Isaiah Nair to get tackled at the 10 or five yard line put it right in the bucket to where he could walk into the end zone. Also, he recognized that the safety bit, which we'll talk a little bit later on the touchdown to Xavier Worthy, the safety bit down super hard on the play action fake to the run. And then Isaiah Nair had, I mean, excuse me, Xavier Worthy had inside leverage already on Deshaun Jameson, put a beautiful ball on him to score that touchdown. And so um, I thought that, you know, on a couple of little plays, he could have been more accurate and he had the interception to Anthony Cook just trying to do too much. And so that's something you're going to see with a player like Quinn Ewers, a gunslinger. Um, he's still going to have some groin pains. But nonetheless, I thought that he was explosive and the ceiling jumped off the screen as far as what he could do under center in this Texas offense. One of my losers on the day was Jaron Thompson. So I thought Initially, when I saw the Xavier Worthy play, I was disappointed in Deshaun Jameson because I was like, how could you just let him inside like that, knowing you don't have any safety help over the top and let him score an easy touchdown? Deshaun Jameson is a player that we all want to get better. Um, we all you know, are hoping that he can have a better season at coverage uh, this year on that outside corner outside from Ryan Watts. The more I watched the play, I realized it was a play action fate that Jaron Thompson bit on extremely hard. I mean, he... Once the play action fake came, he literally ran like five yards forward, completely took himself out the play. And it was an easy pitch and catch behind him where Deshaun Jamison was expecting some safety help over the top. So in my first video, I faulted Deshaun Jamison for that. After review, watching the play a few more times, I realized how hard Jaron Thompson bit down on that play. And Xavier Worthy was then open over the top of that because Deshaun Jamison was expecting safety help. And then Jaron Thompson was not there because he was completely fooled on the play action fake. We know how important safety play is to any defense. And 
if you can get fooled that easily on a play action pass in the orange and white game. Now, granted, I think Keaton Crawford and Anthony Cook are probably going to be your two high safeties for the majority of the time. But Jaron Thompson is going to get a lot of playing time on the field this season as well. But not if he makes plays like that. You have to be more sound on the defensive end, especially at safety when you're the back line of any defense. You can't bite that hard on a play action pass and allow a player like Xavier Worthy, who has elite speed, to get behind you and score a touchdown. And so um, just that one particular play I was disappointed in on how hard he bit on that play action pass, because anytime you bite that hard and you're the last line of defense, you're giving up an easy touchdown over the top, especially if the corner is expecting you to be where you're supposed to be. So I really did not like that play um, from Jaron Thompson. And if you do that in a real game, that's going to be seven against any opponent Texas faces this season. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, really quickly, the winners from me. The playmakers on offense, Isaiah Nair scored a touchdown, even though he was with the second team, he scored the touchdown, showed that he's not just a big receiver, but he also has the wheels to get downfield and score. Once again, it was a breakdown on the play action pass, the touchdown to Xavier Worthy, but he still showed he's one of the best playmakers in the country, easily kind of, you know, worked uh, Deshaun Jameson at the top of the route to make sure he got inside. And because Jaron Thompson bit down so hard, it was an easy pitch and catch for Xavier Worthy into the end zone. Jordan Whittington had a lot of splash plays over the middle, and I thought Jaleel Billingsley and JT Sanders made some nice plays as well. So the playmakers looked really good, and this is a unit that is still missing a Jai Hall, still missing a Troy O'Meara. Still missing Brennan Thompson. Sark has an embarrassment of riches at the offensive skill positions, not to mention B. John Robinson didn't play in the orange and white game. This offense is going to be loaded. It's going to be as advertised. And yes, even a streaky offensive line will not be able to stop Sark and these offensive playmakers from putting on a show this season against all of their opponents. The loser for me, Alfred Collins. So we know that he's potentially the most talented player on this defensive line. But yet we're not hearing anything from Alfred Collins. We're hearing Keandre Coburn looked really good. Tavondre Sweat looked really good. To quote Sark, I've been saying this, Byron Murphy is a problem. But if Alfred Collins is the most talented or potentially the most talented defensive lineman on the team, and all we've heard about is consistency, I was expecting him to make some splash plays in the orange and white game. And I didn't see that. And I don't feel like we're hearing his name enough. He needs to be an impact player on this defensive line. He needs to be one of the best, if not the best players on this defensive line. And I'm just not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. If I'm missing something, let me know. But I think Alfred Collins needs to be a lot more dominant than he has been. He needs to make a lot more plays than he has been. And frankly, we just need to hear his name. We're hearing Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy stepping up as if they've taken Alfred Collins' place. When Alfred Collins should be the leader and the beast on the interior defensive line. And so it's concerning me that when we consistently talk about these consistent C issues with Alfred Collins, I'm consistently not hearing his name. That concerns me. I, I expected Alfred Collins to have a huge spring. I expected Alfred Collins to come into this season and be a huge playmaker on the interior of the defensive line. We talk about the pass rush all the time. The best way to get a pass rush is in the middle of the defense with players like Keandre Coburn, 
Alfred Collins, Tavondre Sweat, and Byron Murphy. And it seems like three of those players have had a really good spring, and one player has been hit or missed. And it's the player we don't want to hear about in Alfred Collins. Very disappointed on that front. My last winner outside of Alfred Collins, the first team defensive line. Once again, you have to beat who's in front of you. That second team offensive line got bullied. And I don't know if they would have done much better if I was out there playing one of those positions. But at the end of the day, the first team defensive line went out there, whooped them, gave them problems, consistently put pressure on Hudson Carr, stopped the offense a lot of times, also put pressure on Quinn Ewers. Um, it looked like you know, the team probably had six or seven sacks. And I would believe the first team defensive line probably had four or five of those. They were really aggressive um, in pursuit, getting to the quarterback. And Baron Sorrell is one player. I mentioned him as a whole, but Baron Sorrell looked really good. Once again, he's been compared to a young Alex Okafor. They love the way that he used his hands. And I think they have a lot of confidence in him as he continues to build on the spring he has, continues to become a better player. He would be a really impact rotational pass rusher for this team this season. I think that Ovio Gofu and hopefully um, Oshawn Mathis are probably your two starters. They get the majority of the snaps at that edge positions for the pass rush, but they love what Baron Sorrell is able to do. Also moving him to linebacker in some different fronts, probably the 3-3. Three, three. Um, you'll see Baron Sorrell and Ovio Gofu in kind of that linebacker set. But um, he had a dominant spring game, and I think he's setting himself up uh, for a dominant season in, in which he shows his proficiency to rush the passer. I thought he was really good, but that first team defensive line as a whole was really good. And I think that it gives uh, Bo Davis, Pete Krakowski, Gary Patterson, and Sark a lot more confidence that, you know, Ovio Gofu is going to be a good pass rusher for you. You know, Baron Sorrells is going to be a good pass rusher for you. You're hoping Oshai Mathis on the 30th makes Texas his decision, and he's going to come in and be closer to that eight-sack season he had than the four-sack season he had last year. And Justice Finkley, a true freshman early enrollee, continues to make steady increments of progress he continues to progress day in and day out and i think by the time the season starts he's going to be a rotational pass rusher that you can rely on on third down situations dre bledsoe when he recovers uh from his appendicitis he'll be a rotational pass rusher a playmaker for you jamon tap just a lot of names there that can make plays on that defensive line and so not sure that they are where they we would like them to be at this point but definitely a unit that can go out there and get you a stop on third down, make plays, and cause opposing offenses nightmares. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Dr. John Garcia, I don't know why I said doctor, John Garcia on the next episode of Locked On Longhorns to talk about the newest Longhorn commits, Trey Wisner and Ryan Niblett. Be safe, Longhorn Nation. Peace.